Your reality is spiritual. His truth is His truth. And if we can align with God's reality, we will finally be living by reality. So you know how sometimes you hit this moment where like God deals with you on something? Well, he dealt with me on something this week. Have you all seen the TV show? I, I saw it like years ago, like one episode or something, but it was called Hoarders or something like that. He showed me that I'm a scripture hoarder. Like, like we needed an intervention kind of thing. I'm trying to prepare and there's like pages and pages and, and it's, he reassured me that he'll keep them safe right here in the Bible. I don't have to like hoard them in all these pages. So I had to like toss them all out, let it go. I'm going to trust him that they'll be here in the Bible. So anyway, I, apparently I'm a hoarder of the word of God. <laughs> yeah, there's worse things to hoard. That's true. That's true. That's true. But it's always ugly, even when it's a good thing, I think, hoarding, you know. <laughs> actually let's pray father i thank you that you're here we thank you that your presence is here we don't even want to be here if it's not and so thank you for being here with us for having good plans in this word and i just ask with all sincerity that you take it over and you speak words to our heart exactly as you would have it spoken to each individual heart. We want to see your glory, Lord. Amen. I want to start by just talking about something really quick. You understand, so we have two Testaments, right? We've got the Old Testament, we've got the New Testament, which is what? Two different covenants, right? We have an Old Covenant, we have a New Covenant, but what I think is important, I just want to start here. You understand um, God does not change, right? Okay, so do covenants change things? Yeah, in really dramatic, really dramatic ways when God makes a new covenant. The dispensation of his grace, the way he relates to us, that changes. But see, he doesn't. So no matter where you're reading, his nature is his nature. He is who he is. This, I think this is probably rhetorical. Have you all ever been in relationship with someone where you're not sure like, if you're going to have the same tomorrow? Are they going to be the same person? You know, Today they're a best friend, tomorrow not. Or today they're, they're the most joyful person and then tomorrow they're not. See, God has integrity. You, you know what integrity is. I mean, it comes from the root integrated, right? So... I am who I am. I am true to myself no matter what. You can change the circumstances. You can progress things forward, but I am who I am. Now, the reason I'm bringing that up is because the past few weeks, right, we're studying, we're looking at God's glory, and we're reading many Old Testament passages of his glory, the way he relates with people, the way he invites people into his glory. Okay, And it's very important to recognize that he is the same God. Okay, The covenant changes. But when we read these stories of these people's interaction with God, it is the same God inviting the same relationship with the same desires. Does that make sense? Do you know why I'm putting that out there? You see, it's very important to, to understand that when we read back 
in these times, it's very easy to get into a mindset of like, well, that was then and this is now, right? And one thing we looked at last week is that when you read these stories, you see these magnificent stories of God's glory and we tend to think, wow, like it must have been so glorious then. But we read passages of Scripture that tell us that that glory is not even a flicker compared to the glory of our day in this age. And so when we study His glory, when we read of Him in relationship with people, it's that same relationship that we're invited into, that glory. Okay, so I want to start with Psalm 17 and verse 15. This might be the third time we're looking at this, but I just, and I really, I want you to read it. And I just want you to take a minute and and let that soak into you. David's words. As for me, I will see your face in righteousness. I shall be satisfied when I awake in your likeness. Do you see how that's everything we've been teaching? David gets it. Can you feel his hunger when he says those words? We're going to talk a little bit about hunger as it comes to the glory of God today. Go on with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 15. You see, this is how hoarding comes out. Sometimes you kind of skip around and... <laughs> Every week I try to, as we're going through this series, every week I'm, I'm trying to put in new scriptures that are the same truths because I want you to see, you know, we could grab a spot and we could say, you know, look at this truth and not realize that it is an epic truth of God throughout. It's just true to his nature, so you'll see it everywhere. Now, what I, I want you to see in this, and this is just introduction. We're going to get into good stuff. But I want you to see here, this is Paul. In the introduction of a letter that he's getting ready to write to the church at Corinth. That's what this is. So we're going to read a verse here where you're going to see the truth of everything that we've been talking about, even though that's not really what the discussion here is about. Now, why am I saying that? Paul knows the truth of everything we've been talking about such that he has it, he owns it, such that even when he's just introducing a letter or talking about something else, you see it squirt out. You see, because it's not contrived. It's the culture of the kingdom of God. And so even when he's just introducing a letter, you see the same truths about the glory of God in it. So here he's saying, And in this confidence, I intended to come before you that you might have a second benefit to pass by way of Macedonia, to come again from Macedonia to you and be helped by you on my way to Judea. So you see, he's just, he's just given practical circumstances. And he says, therefore, when I was planning this, did I do it lightly or the things I plan, do I plan according to the flesh that with me there should be yes Yes and no, no. Now listen, but as God is faithful, our word to you was not yes and no. For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who was preached among you by us, by me, Silvanius, and Timothy, was not yes and no, but in him was yes. Now listen, for all the promises of God in him are yes, and in him, amen, 
to the glory of God through us. You see, it just kind of squirts out. You're going to find out that's not even the topic that, that he moves into next, but it's just true about the culture of the kingdom of God, true about God's nature. So what we just read, what is yes in him? His promises. Promises are yes. And we're going to look at that this morning too. And in him is amen. You know what amen means. So be it. Be it, be it exactly like that. And then don't pass this over to the glory of God through us. Is that everything we're talking about? To the glory of God through us. Our God is a God that invites us to be carriers of his glory. His glory upon us. And you remember last week I sent you out, the last words I said to you is when you leave today and you pass by someone, don't forget that the presence of God, the glory of God just walked by that person. Right? The glory of God through us. Okay, that's just our intro. Now see, the thing is, is when we talk about the glory of God, we're talking about the face of God, right? That's where we're going to kind of turn here. Now we've already been talking about the face of God. To get this started, I actually want to tell you something about the original word face in the Old Testament. Just the word face, okay? It's ponim. Now, Interesting, usually when you look up a word because you want to dig deeper, get to the bottom of something, you know, you'll, you'll get a little definition. You might get some other meanings it could have, but it's, it's about that big. Face is a word that when you look it up, it's like a half a page. And there's a reason for that. It's a very complex word that means all kinds of deep things. And depending on how you use the word, it can mean like a whole variation of things. But the truth is, it kind of means all those things at the same time all the time. Does that make sense? I want to show you some of the things that it means. At the outset, face means, literally face, or the part, where is this? The part that turns, the part that turns towards you, right? If I'm walking along and someone says, hey, Paul, and I look, you see, You've got my attention. It's the part that turns towards you, right? That's face. Now, now actually, I want to talk about this for a minute. Um, so th this winter, I had the privilege of being a hockey coach um, with eight and under kids, right? So I had the blessing and the curse of, be <laughs> of being head coach. And it was a big team. It was like 27 of these little trigger heads on ice, right? So I learned very quickly. Now I had a good team of coaches. It wasn't just me. But I learned very quickly that as I was, as we would gather kids and I would be like, okay, here's what we're going to do. I learned if I did not get their eyes, I was wasting my breath and our practice time. Like in the first practice, I gave the instructions. Oh, I don't know. I was on like time number five before I realized this doesn't work. So as the season went on, actually very quickly, I learned to do this. I learned to say, I need your eyes. I would bend down with the kids like this and I'd say, I need your eyes. Or I would say, eyeballs. And I would cross my eyes. I had to do something silly and then they would giggle and look. And then we could give the instructions, right? Eyeballs. So Face is about that. I'm going to read some of these words here, but it's attention, okay? When we read about the face of God, it's him putting his, his attention 
Okay, or when we seek his face, it really means we're bringing him our face, right? I need your eyeballs. <laughs> so some of these words are before. I'm just reading, like, it's unbelievable how many things this is chock full into this word face. Before, against, anger, battle, beseech, countenance, employ, endure, favor, fear of. Now I'm going to skip, 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 because it goes on and on. Person, personhood, presence, attention, regard, showbread. Apparently it means showbread in one instance. <laughs> That's the bread of life, the bread in the tabernacle, right? Upon. And I'm going to stop. You get the point. The reason I'm putting this out here is because we're going to read scriptures today where if you don't understand that face is a really is a really deep, complex idea in the scriptures, then we'll end up getting confused. But if you understand it's not just face like you got a nose on yours, but it's actually it's actually attention. It's God's action, his activity, his real experienceable relationship with you is face face of God, then then we'll be okay. Okay? So, okay, now we're going to jump in here. Actually, not just yet. So, <laughs> so you understand that faith without face is not relationship. It's religion, right? FaceTime is relationship. Having faith Working out your faith without presence, without FaceTime, is, is religion. It's what Pharisees had, right? Okay, now we're ready. I'm ready now. Are you ready? Okay. <laughs> Let's go to Second Chronicles chapter 7. And we're going to start in verse 12. This is a conversation between God and Solomon about the temple. And I know I do this all the time. You're probably ready to throw something at me. But in other words, what, is, what does that mean we're reading about if it's about the temple? Yes, we're reading about you. It applies to you. This is insight about you as the temple of God. This was a shadow of the reality that you live in now. So here it says, Then the Lord appeared to Solomon by night and said to him, I have heard your prayer and have chosen this place for myself as a house of sacrifice. So you understand, we're already reading about someone who has a deep relationship. Relationship is two-way. There's no such thing as a one-way relationship. So Solomon's been talking to God and God has heard. And it says, when I shut up heaven and there is no rain. So listen to this list. There's three things it's going to say here. When I shut up heaven and there is no rain, or command the locusts to devour the land, or send pestilence, pestilence among my people. Okay, so what are we reading? It's the love of God that we're reading. Do you realize that? It's the discipline of God. You understand, y'all know all too well, I'm sure. He is willing to give hard things to bring to have us walk through that he brings us through hard things because he loves us that much i love it some of you are sitting there like you're nodding so hard you're about to you're about to pull a neck muscle like i got that (laughs) 
But now listen to what he says. He says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and heal their land. So what did we just read? He says, what will cause him to turn it back to blessing? What will cause it? Seek his face. Okay, right? That's right. There's a humility here. First, in order to do that, there is a humility. There's a recognition that I need God here. Okay, humility. But that just sets the stage for to pray, to seek his face. Now listen, what are we seeking when we seek his face? It's relationship, the part that turns. We're asking for his attention. I'm sure you're thinking of many, many scriptures that, that say where David will be crying in the psalm and he'll say, don't turn your face from me or turn your face toward me, Lord, and deliver me out of this. It's about getting attention, relationship, actual relationship. Now listen to what comes next. This is really why we're reading this. In verse 15, it says, now my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to prayer made in this place. Remember the context. This is a conversation between Solomon and God about the temple, the place for his glory. Okay? And what does he say? And knowing that we are the temple, what does this say? It's saying, in these circumstances, his eyes are open, his face, you see? His eyes are open and his ears attentive to prayer made in this place. So listen, this is leading us somewhere. But listen, where is the place that his eyes are open or his ears are attentive to prayer then? You are that place. You see how this fits into our study of glory. You see, they seek his face. They seek the presence as in a mirror. So his glory comes upon. It's a setting apart of the temple like so many other things we've studied in recent months. You are the place. I don't want you to miss this. I know it sounds simple, but you are the place that his eyes are on, that his ears are attentive where he hears prayer. That's humbling. I don't know about you. I don't know. Y'all are being quiet about that one, but that one is really humbling to me. When I think about that, I am that place. (laughs) You see, This is good news. This is the good news of the kingdom, okay? I'm just sensing something. I have to say this. You know, when people come to us as the carriers of God's glory and we offer them a hope for the future, that's a beautiful thing. It might even get them to give their life to Christ and have their life changed. It may cause them to cross from death to life. That is wonderful. But you understand that people seek the face of God even when they don't even know that's what they're seeking for. People seek God because they need. They need right now. They are where they're at right now. And the good news of the kingdom is that it's not all a promise for the future. You understand what I'm saying? The good news of the kingdom is that the kingdom is now. God promises this relationship. He promises to make us the place that that he will turn his face toward, that he will hear our prayers. He wants to be our friend. He will be in relationship and, and put his glory upon us now. That's the good news of the kingdom. 
Now, I'm going to tell you something. When, some, when people come to us, the carriers of God's glory, and we only offer them hope for the future, and we can't do anything about what they need now, we don't have that kind of glory, they may give their life to Christ. We may have saved their life in the power of God, but I'm going to tell you something. They're going to walk out of there, and they're going to go looking for someone who can help them with what they got now. They will do that. We've got to become a people that understand the good news of the kingdom for now and the future hope. In verse 17, it says, As for you, if you walk before me as your father David walked. Now, did you hear that? That that would have to be a whole study. If you walk before me, not just walk before me, but walk before me as David did it. Maybe we'll have to do a study on that. And do according to all that I have commanded you. And if you keep my statutes and my judgments, we can get this so wrong. I have to just stop and and make sure we're thinking right. You understand that you cannot, like just you and yourself, you cannot fulfill his commandments or walk in his statutes and judgments without presence. You understand the whole entire purpose of the first half of this book is to prove that we cannot do that, that there's only one way we do that, that we become the temple of the Holy Spirit, that we're transformed into the image to such measure that we can't help but fulfill the commandments, the statutes, and the judgments. It's the power of God, the presence of God in us. There's no way we do this any other way. We don't succeed by effort. Okay, then it says, then I will establish the throne of your kingdom, of your kingdom. As I covenanted with David, your father, saying, you shall not fail to have a man as ruler in Israel. Actually, I've got to do this. Um, I think I can do this. I think God's asking me to do this so I can. Where am I going? See if I can pull this up. Yeah, yeah, this is hitting me. Did you, did you notice? Do you notice that that word says, "Then I will establish the throne of your kingdom"? Isn't that peculiar? I want to tell you what's going on here, and then I want to read you something else. We've been talking about being transformed into the image, into the image of our King, from glory to glory to glory. Okay, that's what we've been talking about. And how does that happen? You got it now. Presence, in his presence. We look at him as in a mirror. His glory comes upon us. We're transformed into his image. Do you understand that his goal in us, his good plans for you, are that you become such into the image of God that you bear his image so much that you automatically do what is the mind of God with him. That's the only way that he says, I will establish the throne of your kingdom. You see, you understand it's going to be his kingdom. But he's given, this, this is a word of honor. This is, this is granting something that is only for those that are such, that are in his image, that have grown in glory to the point that they share the mind of God. Heirs. I'm in Esther, in case you're curious, it's Esther 8 and verse 8. 
I love the book of Esther because it's, I, I'm absolutely certain that it's, it's a beautiful picture of the kingdom, the kingdom culture, how the kingdom works, the whole book from beginning verse to end. And here in verse 8, listen to this. Finally, Esther's been in this process of being prepared and prepared and prepared. Literally, she's, this, it's the story of her going from glory to glory to glory until she's in the presence of the king to save, to redeem her people. And listen to what the king finally says to her. He holds out the scepter, the scepter of authority, acceptance, and he says to her in verse 8, you yourselves write a decree concerning the Jews as you please in the king's name and seal it with the king's signet ring. For whatever is written in the king's name and sealed with the king's signet ring, no one can revoke. Did you hear those words? He says, you write the decree as you, as you please in the king's name and seal it with my authority. I'll put my name on it. You write it, I'll put my name on it, and it'll be exactly that way. That's his good plan. That's his goal for you. That you become, we've been talking about being a friend, that you become such a friend of God that his glory has come upon you so much, that you share his plan so much, that he says, you write it as you please, and I'll put my name on it. (laughs) I will establish the throne of your kingdom. Obviously, he's never going to do anything contrary to himself. He's never going to establish a kingdom that is contrary to himself. The only way he says that, you do it, I'll put my name on it, (laughs) is when we've grown to that place that we are carriers of his glory. We are carriers of his will. Okay, the Lord has totally blown this one apart. I don't know what I'm going to do now. It's good. It's good. Okay, what do you want to do, Lord? You're the one who messed it up. You have to tell me what we're going to do now. I was going to talk about hunger. I tell you what, here's what we're going to do. Go to Numbers um, chapter 6 and verse 22 with me. Actually, this makes sense. This fits. It's amazing how the Lord knows what he's doing. (laughs) Is it not? (laughs) Thank you, God. I'm going to tell you what we're about to read. This is... um, This is a scripture, it's one of the famous ones. It's the one that, I'll bet you there's at least one household in here where you framed it and it's hanging in your bathroom. It's one of those. We're going to find out after you know what it is, we're going to see if one of you has it in your bathroom. I say that because I've seen it in bathrooms. I don't know what it is about this, but this is the priestly blessing. This famous scripture, I'll bet you you're going to know it immediately, but some of you probably didn't know what it was. You knew you liked it, you've seen it before. and you... The Lord actually gives to Moses to pass on to Aaron a, a command saying, this is how you're going to bless priests. Now, before we even get into it, just to make sure, because I, I do see some new faces and stuff. 
I know most of you have driven you crazy with this, but you do. Who else is priests? You are right. The moment you give your life to Christ, you are a priest and a king, just like David. Just like David was the picture of that in the kingdom of God. You're called to the ministry of reconciliation, which requires your kingly duties and your priestly duties, right? Okay. And so here it is. This is a command. This is how you'll bless. And it says, this is the way you shall bless the children of Israel. Say to them, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. So they shall put my name on the children of Israel and I will bless them. Now listen, there's some, I'm actually going to, I know you've read this before, you're familiar with it, but I want to tell you about some things here. Do you remember scripture we looked at, I think it was two weeks ago, where the word of God explicitly tells us that Jesus is the brightness of his glory, is the express image of him, right? And here it says, make his face shine upon you. Remember we talked about brightness, shining. So in other words, it's the attention of God shining, experienceable actually impacting you is what this prayer is. Make his face shine upon you. Not just out here somewhere, but shining upon you. Okay? Now here's what I want you to see. The last verse we read there, actually, did we even read it? Verse 27 says, So they shall put my name on the children of Israel, and I will bless them. Listen, you know the word so means like, in this manner, or this is how I will put my name on the children of Israel and bless them. Do you know what that's saying? Do you understand the significance of this? In other words, God is saying, I will put my authority on your tongue. You're going to do it this way. This is the blessing. I will put my authority on your tongue. You will bless. You will do this blessing and I will do it. So in that manner, I will put my name on the children of Israel and and that's how the blessing will come. Did you catch it? Am I doing a good job? He will put his authority and you understand you're priests now too. So in other words, he, he will put his authority on your tongue and he says, bless. Bless each other. Bless fellow priests, and then I will do it. I will put my name on it. I had no idea how much this aligns with that Esther thing. (laughs) It it actually fits. It's pretty neat. (laughs) I will put my name on it. Look at somebody and say, I have the authority of God on my tongue. I have a calling on my life to bless. That's a promise. I mean, you can, you can bless each other and God says, I'll put my name on it. <laughs> Thank you. Do it again. <laughs> and he'll do it. And he'll do it. I don't know why I make any plans. All right, let me see.
Okay, one more thing. All right, here's this is this is okay. This is gonna work actually. It's over here. I'm gonna skip to Exodus 33 and verse 12. This is moving forward in in the in the same narrative we've been walking through for weeks. Moses is being transformed from glory to glory. And so therefore, the blessing of that is coming on to God's chosen people because Moses is faithfully going into the presence. He is faithfully being transformed, receiving the word of the Lord from God. Okay. Last week we talked about how strange it must have been. He walks down Tabernacle Street and everybody stares as he goes into the presence of the Lord, right? And they stand at attention. They worship till he comes out. And then here, this conversation happens next. I was going to do the whole conversation, but there's no way. We're not going to do that. But I believe he wants you to have this. Um, Just start reading with me in verse 12. It says, Then Moses said to the Lord, See, you say to me, bring up this people. But you have not let me know whom you will send with me. And he says, yet you have said, I know you by name, and you have also found grace in my sight. Now listen, I want us to really have a clarity on what was just said, okay? In other words, Moses is saying, you say, do this impossible thing for me. I want you to to do the impossible. For me, bring up this people and you're going to bring them into this promised land, this huge calling on his life. And he's kind of saying, easy for you to say, is that, isn't that what he's saying? He's going, you say, do this crazy, ridiculous thing for me. And you haven't even told me who you're going to send with me, right? But now listen, what I really want to focus on is just next. He says, yet, that's really a bad translation. It's kind of like, on the other hand, is a better translation of that, okay? On the other hand, he's saying, I understand that you have said to me, I know you by name, and you've said to me that I have grace or favor in your sight. Okay? This is a friendship we're reading about, okay? This is a friendship. And this is what I believe the Lord wants you to see. You see, um, he is leaning on the promises of God as hard as he can. He understands this hard, big, huge calling God is giving him. And, and he's saying, I need to know who you're going to send with me. But he's saying, but the only reason he's willing to even move forward in this conversation, you can sense it, you can feel it, is that he has he has such friendship that he has previous promises from God. These are things that God has has said to him, okay, and he's leaning on it. He's going, well, but on on the other hand, you have given me these promises that I can stand in. Do you see that? In other words, now I want to tell you something. You know, there there are so many new ministries raising up in this church right now. I'm losing track, and and um, every time I say that to someone, they say, "Oh, what are they?" And I I think of like three of the six or something like that. And there's so much going on. Now, here's what I want to tell you. I, I should, probably shouldn't say never, so I'll say rarely. I rarely, almost never. <laughs> 
would have a conversation with a new leader or someone that, that, that God's pouring his fire in to start something new, to minister to people, trying to create something. I never go to them. You know, sometimes I see things like, oh, I can see this happening, and gosh, I know who. And, but I never go and say, God wants you to start this. I just, I just tend, I don't. Do you know why I don't? You see, God does not call you to things First of all, you know God calls you to things, right? Okay. He does not call you to things that you're capable of. You understand that? If, if, you, if the only plans that you have for yourself are things that you're capable of, or if you're competent enough, or strong enough, or work hard enough, and you can get them done, they are probably not the plans of God. Okay? He calls you to things in which you're going to need his presence to get from here to there. You're going to need, if his glory is not in it, (laughs) it's not going to happen. Those are the things he calls you to. So, in other words, I never go and I say, I I never go and say, hey, I, I, I think God's calling you to do this. Or I might say, I wonder if God's calling you to do this. And I always send people off and I say, go talk to him about it. And, and I, he'll answer, yeah, I, I, why do I do that? Because God calls us to things that um, if you don't have your own word on it, you are not going to be able to walk forward in it because they're going to be huge, impossible things that require faith. They're going to be the kinds of things where the presence of God in it, the glory of God going with you, in it is what is going to make it come to pass. And if you don't know that, if you don't have your own word on the matter, you you won't be able to walk through it. Okay, and that's that's a little bit what we're seeing in this story. Okay, go look at verse 13 and I'll start wrapping up. He goes on, he says, Now therefore I pray, if I've found grace in your sight, show me now your way that I may know you and that I may find grace in your sight. <laughs> That's pretty circular, isn't it? In other words, he gets it. He's, you see the glory to glory in that? He's saying, if I've found grace in your sight, you're going to have to set me up so I find grace in your sight. <laughs> show me your way. Now, you remember the original question, right? What was his original question in this conversation? Who's going with me? How are we going to pull this off? And God says, um, in verse 14, he answers him and says, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Now, do you understand that's not those two things? It seems like he gave him two things. I just want to tell you something. He gave him one thing, presence. You understand that rest is automatic with the presence of God? even if he calls you to things that are far beyond your capability, that's that absolutely impossible for you to accomplish out of yourself. He can call you to that kind of crazy and does call you to that kind of crazy. And there's rest in it because of his presence. You see, only with his presence <laughs> is there rest in the things God calls us to.
Now I can't help myself, so I'm going to keep going. <laughs> now, I'm just going to read. Pretty soon I'm going to stop here. I promise I will. Um, but I want you to notice the tone here, okay? We're observing a friendship that is, that is a, um, an example of the type of friendship that God invites you into. Now, do you understand... Um, I know that you do. Um, the, the better you become friends with someone, the bolder your relationship can get. You know, when you first know someone, you kind of tiptoe around. Um, uh, but let's see, I almost want to give an example. But like, like with Paul, for example, it's been about a year where we've been laboring together in the Lord and various things. And believe me, we have encountered a battle or two and we've had to fight them together. A friendship is growing to where um, our conversations changed. Uh, so now that we have this stronger relationship, we can talk, right? I mean, we're just, um, we don't hold it back. We talk like friends do. I'm going to tell you exactly what I think about this and like that, okay? You're going to see that here between Moses and God. Listen to how Moses' words are here in verse 15. It says, then he said to him, now remember that God just finished, just finished telling him, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. And this is what Moses says, a little testy. He said, then he said to him, if your presence does not go with us, do not bring us up from here. For how then will it be known that your people and I have found grace in your sight, except you go with us? Do you realize what we just read? God says, my presence will go with you. And he goes, if your presence doesn't go with us, <laughs> do you hear the tone there? Then I'm out. If you're pre I'm not going if your presence doesn't go. <laughs> if your glory's not in it, I don't even care about it that much. <laughs> right? And then listen to the insight just next. The insight, that second line, that second sentence that Moses says gives us insight as to how much of the mind of God he has. Listen to those words. He says, um, in other words, if your presence doesn't go, he says, for how then will it be known that your people and I have found grace in your sight except you go with us? See what you just read? Amazingly, I'm noticing this is exactly the same thing we've been talking about. In other words, do you recognize? Saying, in other words, here it is. Um, Moses is saying, even if I was capable of carrying out this call without your glory in it, without your presence, without your name on it, like we could actually go accomplish this. And we did. We accomplished it. It wouldn't give you glory. The peoples of the earth would go, oh, well, no, they did a good job there. They managed to conquer for themselves the land or whatever, just like the other peoples of the world. Right? And he says, if they don't see that it is accomplished because of your glory in it, then, then how will anyone know that it is the hand of the Lord that gets this done? How will you be glorified? Now, the next thing he says is just mind-blowing. And he says, um, the second half of verse 16 says, So we shall be separate, your people and I, from all the people who are upon the face of the earth. In other words, this is the way 
that we will be different, we will be separate. What's the way? How are they different? The presence of God. They're the people of the presence of God, of the glory of God. It's really, it's what makes them different. You understand that's the calling on our life. It's not that we do, um, we're not called to do a good job. Now, don't get me wrong. We should, do, we should do a very good job. We should be excellent at everything. I'm just saying that's not what makes us different. You understand that the world can be very excellent at things. The world can accomplish big things. What makes us different is the presence of God. We are the people of his glory. The world is to look at the church, at Jesus' church, and go, man, those are the, look at them, those are the people that have the glory of God on them. The presence of God is in those people. That's what makes us different. I was going to talk about this, but I'm going to stop. I'm just going to read this last verse. See, because Moses at this point, he's like, I'm on a roll. Every time I push a little bit harder, I get another promise. (laughs) I want to tell you, I think it looks pushy, but I want to tell you this. The Lord your God delights in you when you're that way. (laughs) When he gives you a little bit more, show me some glory, and he shows you some, and you're like, oh, I want more. I got to have more. God, give me another promise. I'm leaning on this last one. I need another promise. He delights in that. Friends, boldness with your hunger. I've got to have you, God, and I I will be shamelessly bold about coming again and again and again. I'm going to sit in your presence. I want to be transformed into your image. That's what Moses is doing in this whole conversation. He's pressing and pressing. Hunger is making him press, and every time he presses again, he gets another promise. And God says, okay, I'll do that thing too. And then he gets really testy. (laughs) And uh, and he says in verse 18, he says, please show me your glory. Oh, shoot, I keep promising you I'm going to stop. He says, please show me your glory. Now, how does that even make sense? This is a man who's such friend of God that he sits and talks with him face to face. That such he's in such glory of God that he comes out of the meeting glowing like a light bulb. And this is the man who says, um, who says, Show me your glory. You kind of want to go, haven't you seen his glory? It's glory to glory. You see, every time you see God's glory to hear. You're, you're, you're brought into the image of Jesus Christ. You're brought into the glory to hear. And show me your glory. And we're brought to hear. And show me your glory. We're brought to hear. You see, he doesn't pour it all out on you all at one time because it would utterly destroy you. That's why you need a glorified body when he comes back, right? This body's not going to go to the levels of glory you're headed into. <laughs> Glory to glory. If I had a rope, I could throw it over the beam. (laughs) Of course, then I couldn't let go of the rope when I went like this. Okay, I'm going to stop. I'm going to stop. Hunger. I want to tell you one last thing. That's not funny. (laughs) The day that we as the people of God... Quit being hungry 
to see his glory to a measure we've not seen before is the day we quit transforming into the image of Jesus Christ. Do you know that's true? We must never lose our hunger to see the glory of God to measure that we have not seen before. I'm hungry. <laughs> Are you hungry? Okay, let's let's pray. Father, I thank you for this word. Even though you never seem to honor my plans. <laughs> and Lord, I just ask that your your glory would fill this your house. Every, in other words, your people, that your glory, that you would be revealing yourself to measures of glory and inviting us into those impossible things that you've planned for us. I know you well enough, Lord, to know that you have impossible plans for every person sitting here today. And I ask that you, that um, by, the, by the spirit of revelation, that you would be revealing those impossible plans, that you'd be calling them out of our hearts and granting the faith to know that your glory goes with us. So it's okay. We can walk forward in every impossible plan you call out from our hearts. But we're not willing to go unless we see you, unless we see your presence, unless your glory's in it. We're not going. Thank you, Jesus. We love you, Lord. <laughs>